Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. On today's episode, I am in conversation with the production stage manager for both Dana H. and Is This a Room, Lisa Ayakuchi. Lisa has had a long and distinguished career stage managing on and off Broadway, regionally and internationally, including such shows as Burn This, Head Over Heels, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, On a Clear Day You Can See Forever, and more. In this episode, we discuss why working on these two very unique shows, running in rep no less, present such a unique challenge, the marvel of watching Deirdre O'Connell surrender to the pace of the audio, the importance of sharing these stories about these powerful, real-life women, why theater fans need to get to the Lyceum before they both close, and much more. Of course, we will have information on how you can purchase tickets to see both Dana H. and Is This a Room on Broadway in the show notes and on broadwayradio.com. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Lisa Ayacucci. All right, Lisa, I think that most theater fans kind of understand the responsibilities of a stage manager as once the director leaves, they're in charge, and maybe they even understand that the stage manager calls a show, even if they don't know what calls a show means. But I thought that perhaps before we got into some specifics, if you wouldn't mind giving us the the basic thumbnail responsibilities of what a production stage manager does when a show is actually running, maybe not like necessarily just the stuff that happens when the show is on stage, but during the time period that a show is is in performances what a stage manager actually does. Sure. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big umbrella and it, you know, it's different jobs depending on what the show is. It really, it really does. Um, it really does kind of tailor itself to the needs of the show, but, but overall the, the production stage manager is kind of the hub of communication because you are the the person you know in the space at the theater, kind of overseeing overall schedule, talking to all departments that are physically there, like the crews and the crew heads, but also communicating with the designers who leave after opening, and just making sure that issues um, that might happen in the theater are communicated to people outside of the theater which is the designers or management or producers. Um, so that's one level of communication. And then just on the day-to-day -day kind of helping oversee um, the, the big picture of the theater itself. And just that's, that's um, again, communicating to the actors and overall scheduling and with your, with your team to just make sure that the, um, you know, the details of the operation happen. And that sounds like a fairly big job when you are working on one production, but right now you are uh, production stage managing two productions at the same time. And I think when we talk about shows, especially on Broadway, that are running in rep, it's often the same cast and the same creative team. But this is, other than the fact that they both originated off Broadway at the Vineyard, these are two completely different shows. I mean, same producers, but in terms of the creative teams, in terms of the casts, they are completely separate. How many extra layers of responsibilities does that add on to your plate while you're dealing with two completely separate entities for all intents and purposes? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's been a really interesting challenge because these are two discrete productions um, as, as you mentioned, and it is really, 
I feel like when, when people say like they have a second child, it's not twice as hard. It's, it's exponentially um, more challenging. And um, I think the same, the same could be said here as well. I mean, it's, it's kind of wonderful and exciting, but it is, it is um, really managing different tones and different personalities and really different experiences of, 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 of also you, you are the, you know, you're, you're my, my closest um, really connection to the plays is the director and you are responsible for the artistic integrity of making sure that each piece um, you know, with the, with the cast stays as the piece that was created. So um, there is a sensitivity to making sure that you are, you know, within the play itself and um, being supportive and being authentic to what the play needs. And it, it is challenging because each, each, each play has its own personality and you want to kind of make sure that you honor that personality and the people involved. So it's, it is a little bit like it takes me a moment to put something one show back on the shelf and then take another show off so that, um, you know, you're, you're encountering it with the right energy and also that you're not, you're not, there's not a latency from the other production that you're bringing to this production because each production deserves your full attention. And so um, uh, it's just to be mindful of that. Speaking of going from one to the other, on those two show days when you are doing both Is This a Room and Dana H, in between performances, what do you do to kind of get your mind out of one and into the other? Yeah, it's a little bit like a palate cleansing. I mean, there's just um, obviously the crew, it, it is the crew that's responsible for the physical changeover of changing sure. sets and, and one to the other. But like I have two physical books, like just two physical things. So I'm actually able to have like put one away and take the other out. And um, it is just a little bit of, of taking a few minutes to kind of clear my mind and, and really, really just um, tuck one show away for the moment and whatever those, um, you know, just whatever those responsibilities and thoughts of that show are and, and really just kind of, of you know, uh, of kind of just keep a clean slate to my mind to bring in the new show and also just take a minute and look back as to when was the last time, what was the last thing we did with this show? Because on our schedule, um, it's kind of, we have one show in the middle and one show bookends. So you might see one show Wednesday night and then not again until Saturday night. So that's like a big, it's a, that's a big gap. And just to like, remember, Oh, this is the last thing we did with this person. And you talked about, you know, the responsibilities of each and, you know, trying to remember what was the last thing from each show. These are, I think, anybody who knows about these shows, these are quite different from most Broadway shows in in a lot of ways, especially Dana H., which I want to get into a, a little bit more specifically about your responsibilities there. But you've had a, a long and distinguished career working on a ton of really interesting productions is the responsibilities for these two shows, aside from the fact that they are two, you know, completely separate pieces being run in rep, do these present different challenges and responsibilities to you as the stage manager than just say, you know, a, 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 you know, burn this or head over heels or, or any other show that you've done uh, on Broadway recently? Um, I I would say I'm. Uh, not really. I mean, the responsibilities, because they really do, they really are, they can be very wide. Um, 
I think they're they're actually pretty similar. It's it's just really I th- I think the thing that is just a little different here because they are two different shows is that I I do my best to keep the show separate even when you know dealing with the cast so not to bring in I won't say problems but whatever's happened in one show if we if we've had difficulties or 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 just challenges or just or just whatever's happened in that show to leave that in that show and not bring it to the next one. But the overall responsibilities, um, I, I think, are pretty similar. Speaking of Dana H, and I think everyone kind of understands that this is an unusual production because, you know, Deirdre O'Connell is on stage but doesn't actually speak. She does. I don't know if the term lip syncing is is appropriate, really even appropriate or fully <laughs> encompasses what she does. Um, but in terms of the you know, the, whether it's calling things or whatever, how, what kind of differences does that present to her where she really isn't in control of the pace of the show? It, it's obviously it's standard. I, I assume, or maybe there is some kind of flexibility in when things get played in, in terms of the audio, the, the whole, how the technical side of that process uh, works really fascinates me because like I said, I don't know of any other show that's ever done anything like that before. Um, honestly, I don't either. And it is a, it is a marvel on so many levels, you know, and you could really just Dana H just what it achieves and the, and, and also just the, the, the steps of getting there. And to be fair, that all really happened before I was introduced to the show. Sure. Um, both of these show we've, we've received as kind of as pieces that were already done, but um, I mean, Dee Dee, it, it is a highway because uh, you are right in that once Dee Dee puts those um, those, uh, you know, ear, earphones in, she is really at the mercy of the pace of the recording. I mean, we do have a few um, we do have a few stop gaps in there, but not many. But really um, the precision over the years in which Dee Dee has has um, kind of uh, uh, what can I say? She's so beautifully um, put in put in all of her elements into this recording. I mean, it's so many people who watch this and sometimes I watch it and I see something Didi's done. And I just think that is just remarkable because mm-hmm. it is, we have very little control over it. And I think that is, it's always a, um, for Didi too, there's so many checks that happen before we start because once we start, you you really can't. <laughs> there's there's no shoulder to pull over. Honestly, it is really just for the most part um, uh, dictated by what Didi is hearing, and and the scary part is what Didi, what Didi is hearing. None of us really, because we're not in her head and in her ears, can really hear that. So wow. um, we are even. It's not that she's hearing what the audience is hearing, but still. Um, um, it's, it's a little bit, it's, I think for her, it's a leap of faith every evening. Um, and we're all very attuned to her. In fact, I, I have a, a, a close-up monitor where I, I watch Dee Dee because the only way she can communicate to me if something is wrong or she needs something is like with her face <laughs> because she can't ad lib, right? She cannot have her yeah. own voice in this piece. Um, so it's, it's pretty remarkable. That's fascinating in the i don't know if there's been many instances where she's had to if she does need something is it a do you have a like a a carol burnett little motion that she signals to you or is it just kind of looking at her face and something's different what is there a specific like high sign that she gives you if something's not right 
Um, uh, that's, uh, we don't exactly have, you know, like a safe word or like a safe sign, but, um, we are, uh, um, I would say that, um, Didi is also aware, like, um, the wonder, the wonderful thing about it is that our communication, because it has to be so precise, um, is, is, um, we're very connected in that way. Um, and so it would be, it's just more how she, you know, just looks or, or, um, or just, just, you know, really being in tune. Um, and that's, um, unless something were were to happen on such a severe nature that we need to, you know, take the next step. It's just those little subtleties. Yeah. So she doesn't pull on her earlobe or anything, I guess that's, (laughs) that's too bad. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't tell. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Some things you have to keep close uh, to the vest. You don't want the audience knowing those things. Um, but you know, I think so many people and obviously the entire production team as well, were disappointed by the fact that these shows announced that they were going to be ending early, but we do still have two weeks of performances, um, for these two shows combined for folks to get to the Lyceum and, and see them as somebody who has worked on so many shows on and off Broadway and and more um, in your career. Why is it important, especially for theater fans who um, appreciate shows that kind of take risks? Why is it important for them to get to see not only one of them, but both of these shows before they close here in a few weeks? Um, I think um I think the 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 stories that each one of these is telling that that are telling. I mean, these two strong women who um, have endured and have been victimized and have triumphed. Um, it's they're important stories, and so the stories themselves are 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 so worth seeing. And how the two relate in terms of. I know there's a lot of conversation about documentary style and they are, they are, they are told so differently and their true stories mm-hmm. told so differently that the craft of telling them uh, from the creators, uh, from the directors, the conceivers to the artists themselves on stage is an experience that I don't think most theater goers will get to see many times in their lives. And I, people have said to me when I talk about these shows to them that they say, you know, you don't often say, um, you don't often speak uh, about shows in such a, um, a passionate way in terms of shows that can't be missed. And I really do feel that way about these two shows. I, I don't think very often um, we get to see uh, pieces like this uh, so so expertly put together and um and it's I, you know, we're all pretty devastated at the theater that we won't get to share these stories with more people because we're because we are closing early. But um, I, I think anyone who sees these shows, um, they are, they will be moved by them. They will be changed by them. And I don't think they will have another experience like seeing either of these these pieces many times in their lives. Yeah. One of the things that I think is interesting that you mentioned is that both of these shows focus on women who have been victimized by, you know, kind of through, you know, very different ways, um, you know, through their processes have survived and and moved forward from that. And that is something that we don't often see, I mean, in entertainment and media in general, let alone um, on on stage and on Broadway. At this point in time in our world, when we are talking so much about misogyny and, and, and 
culture and all of these different types of issues that we've been confronting over the past year and a half. Is there a message in that that you think resonates beyond these two shows into the broader cultural you know, conversation that's happening right now? Um, it's a great question. Um, I think, yes, I think it does because these women are, um, and I guess it wouldn't matter if they were characters created just yeah. in a, in, in a playwright's mind, but they're actually not, they're, they're real, they're real people and, and how they have managed um, the system and, and other people and also themselves to rise above their, their situations. And, you know, the thing about Dana H is if, if, if you, even if you couldn't believe it, the fact that you are hearing the words coming out of a, a person, you know, a real person's mouth, that you are actually hearing these words in case you couldn't believe this story, believe this story and believe how this person has overcome. Um, I think really speaks to uh, the culture of our times and, and, and for being strength to women and for being a, a voice that I think is desperately needed and we don't often uh, get to hear this uh, in the theater, you know, just to, and just to speak to the audience directly so that they can really take this, know this experience, and then maybe apply it to, you know, other issues in terms of politics, in terms of culture or economics, to know that, um, th that there is what, what kind of strength there can be um, in women and for women and how they can create change. Yeah, and obviously, if if audience members weren't sure that this was a real story when Dana Higginbotham actually showed up on opening night, that uh, obviously further cements that uh, in mm -hmm. the minds of a lot of folks. Um, I'll, I'll wrap up the conversation um, with this. We've talked about the fact that these two shows are markedly different from the normal Broadway fair, especially. And um, these productions and these producers um, took a took a risk in bringing these shows uptown from the vineyard. But I think despite the fact that they are closing early, and obviously that has a lot to do with the the times that we're in right now in terms of, of COVID and safety and tourism and all that stuff, but moving forward, as we are coming out of this pandemic, as somebody who's been in this business for a long time, what do you think about the future of shows like this coming from, you know, a little bit more experiential backgrounds at Off-Broadway and Off-Off-Broadway theaters, or even regionally um, coming to Broadway? Is there a place for this? Have you seen that that shows like this can find audiences when hopefully times are a little better? Or what are your thoughts on how things like Dana H and Is This a Room can fit into the Broadway conversation in the future and and hopefully um, inspire other people to take more risks that they didn't know could happen in that specific, you know, geographic location of theater on Broadway. Right. I mean, it's a good it's it's Broadway is so hard, even in the best of times, you know, Broadway is so um, yeah. competitive and we really do um, rely on, you know, New Yorkers, even if all of the New Yorkers saw, saw all of the theater, we still rely so much on tourism and, and it's, it's right. It's not a surprise. It's that uh, we are, we are building our base back from zero right now. It's not even from any other place. So it's, it's, it's such a challenge, but I mean, I'm hopeful. I, I don't want Broadway to look like any one thing. You know, I've, I've had the privilege yeah. of working in so many different 
um, so many different arenas, you know, Broadway, off-Broadway, national, international. And I, I want to believe that that it is possible that we can have this mix, that stories like this that are important stories and how they are created, which is, you know, perhaps a little bit non-traditionally, I do want to believe it's possible, um, but it it certainly is a, a, a big challenge. You know, they don't come with a star. They don't come with a uh, a name that that, you know, people necessarily recognize in terms of the show or the cast or or any of the creative team. But but I'd like to believe that I'd like to be hopeful that that there is a place on Broadway for, for pieces like this. And um, I I'm. You know, in the next six months, who knows what in the next three months, right? Who knows what Broadway's going to look like? Yeah. But I, I would really, it would sadden me to think that Broadway can only look like one, one thing of any type of thing. I, I hope that we, we have the space to, to welcome shows and productions like this. Absolutely. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about these shows. They are utterly fascinating in every single way, and I really appreciate you providing insight into them. I hope that the next two weeks of performances go incredibly well, and as many people have the opportunity to see both of these productions uh, as humanly possible. Thank you, Matt. I hope so, too. They're really, they're, I, I feel really proud and privileged to be a part of them. And so we, we um, you know, we're going to enjoy our last two weeks. 